0: Section 3 of the Argonautica. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jacob Payne. The Argonautica by Apollonius Rhodius. Translated by R.C. Seaton. Section 3, Book 1, Part 3. Here the whole of the men of the people together had been ruthlessly slain through the transgressions of the women in the year gone by. For the men had rejected their lawful wives, loathing them, and had conceived a fierce passion for captive maids whom they themselves brought across the sea from their forays in Thrace, for the terrible wrath of Cyprus came upon them, because for a long time they had grudged her the honors due. O hapless women! and insatiate in jealousy to their own ruin. Not their husbands alone with the captives did they slay on account of the marriage-bed, but all the males at the same time that they might thereafter pay no retribution for the grim murder. And of all the women, Hypsipyle alone spared her aged father Toas, who was king over the people, and she sent him in a hollow chest to drift over the sea, if haply he should escape and fishermen dragged him to shore at the island of Inoi, formerly Inoi, but afterwards called sicinus from sicinus whom the water-nymph Inoi bore to toas now for all the women to tend kine to don armour of bronze and to cleave with the plough-shear the wheat-bearing fields was easier than the works of athena with which they were busied aforetime yet for all that did they often gaze over the broad sea "'in grievous fear against the Thracians' coming. "'So when they saw Argo being rowed near the island, "'straightway crowding in multitude from the gates of Myrene "'and clad in their harness of war, "'they poured forth to the beach like ravening Thyades, "'for they deemed that the Thracians were come, "'and with them Hypsipoli, daughter of Thoas, "'donned her father's harness, "'and they streamed down speechless with dismay. "'Such fear was wafted about them.' meantime from the ship the chiefs had sent atheliades the swift herald to whose care they entrusted their messages and the wand of hermes his sire who had granted him a memory of all things that never grew dim and not even now though he has entered the unspeakable whirlpools of acheron has forgetfulness swept over his soul but its fixed doom is to be ever changing its abode at one time to be numbered among the dwellers beneath the earth at another to be in the light of the sun among living men but why need i tell at length tales of athaliades he at the time persuaded hypsipyle to receive the newcomers as the day was waning into darkness nor yet at dawn did they lose the ship's hawsers to the breath of the north wind now the limnian women fared through the city and sat down to the assembly for hypsipyle herself had so bidden and when they were all gathered together in one great throng straightway she spake among them with stirring words o friends come let us grant these men gifts to their hearts desire such as it is fitting that they should take on shipboard food and sweet wine in order that they may steadfastly remain outside our towers and may not passing among us for needs sake get to know us all too well and so an evil report be widely spread For we have wrought a terrible deed, and in no wise will it be to their liking, should they learn it. Such is our counsel now, but if any of you can devise a better plan, let her rise, For it was on this account that I summoned you hither. Thus she spake, and sat upon her father's seat of stone, And then rose up her dear nurse Polixo, For very age halting upon her withered feet, Bowed over a staff, and she was eager to address them, near her were seated four virgins unwedded crowned with white hair and she stood in the midst of the assembly and from her bent back she feebly raised her neck and spake thus gifts as hypsipyle herself wishes let us send to the strangers for it is better to give them but for you what device have ye to get profit of your life if the thracian host fall upon us or some other foe as often happens among men even as now this company is come unforeseen but if one of the blessed gods should turn this aside yet countless other woes worse than battle remain behind when the aged women die off and ye younger ones without children reach hateful old age how then will ye live hapless ones will your oxen of their own accord yoke themselves for the deep ploughlands and draw the earth cleaving share through the fallow and forthwith AS THE YEAR COMES ROUND REAP THE HARVEST, ASSUREDLY, THOUGH THE FATES TILL NOW HAVE SHUNNED ME IN HORROR, I DEEM THAT IN THE COMING YEAR I SHALL PUT ON THE GARMENT OF EARTH, WHEN I HAVE RECEIVED MY MEED OF BURIAL, EVEN SO, AS IS RIGHT, BEFORE THE EVIL DAYS DRAW NEAR. BUT I BID YOU, WHO ARE YOUNGER, GIVE GOOD HEED TO THIS, FOR NOW, AT YOUR FEET, A WAY OF ESCAPE LIES OPEN if ye trust to the strangers the care of your homes and all your stock and your glorious city thus she spake and the assembly was filled with clamour for the word pleased them and after her straightway hypsipyle rose up again and spake in reply if this purpose please you all now will i even send a messenger to the ship she spake and addressed ifhenue close at hand go ifhenue and beg yonder man whoever it is that leads this array, to come to our land that I may tell him a word that pleases the heart of my people, and bid the men themselves, if they wish, boldly enter the land and the city with friendly intent. She spake, and dismissed the assembly, and therefore started to return home. And so Iphinoe came to Minie, and they asked with what intent she had come among them, and quickly she addressed her questioners with all speed in these words. The maiden Hypsipyle, daughter of Toas, sent me on my way here to you to summon the captain of your ship, whoever he be, that she may tell him a word that pleases the heart of the people, and she bids yourselves, if you wish it, straightway enter the land and the city with friendly intent. Thus she spake, and the speech of good omen pleased all, and they deemed that Toas was dead, and that his beloved daughter Hypsipyle was queen, and quickly they sent jason on his way and themselves made ready to go now he had buckled round his shoulders a purple mantle of double fold the work of the tritonian goddess which pallas had given him when she first laid the keel props of the ship argo and taught him how to measure timbers with the rule more easily wouldst thou cast thy eyes upon the sun at its rising than behold that blazing splendour for indeed in the middle of the fashion thereof was red but at the ends it was all purple and on each margin many separate devices had been skillfully inwoven in it were the cyclops seated at their imperishable work forging a thunderbolt for king zeus by now it was almost finished in its brightness and it still but wanted one ray which they were beating out with their iron hammers as it spurted forth the breath of raging flame in it too were the twin sons of antiope daughter of Aesopus, Amphion, and Zethus, And Thebe, still ungirt with towers, was lying near, whose foundations they were just then laying in eager haste. Zethys, on his shoulders, was lifting the peak of a steep mountain, like a man toiling hard, and Amphion after him, singing loud and clear on his golden lyre, moved on, and a rock twice as large followed his footsteps next in order had been wrought cytherea with drooping tresses wielding the swift shield of ares and from her shoulder to her left arm the fastening of her tunic was loosed beneath her breast and opposite in the shield of bronze her image appeared clear to the view as she stood and in it there was a well-wooded pasturage of oxen and about the oxen the teleboe and the sons of eletryon were fighting the one party defending themselves, the others, the Taphian raiders, longing to rob them. And the dewy meadow was drenched with their blood, and the many were overmastering the few herdsmen. And therein were fashioned two chariots, racing, and the one in front of Pelops was guiding, as he shook the reins, and with him was Hippodamia at his side, and in pursuit Myrtilus urged his steeds And with him Onomaus had grasped his couched spear, but fell as the axle swerved and broke in the nave, while he was eager to pierce the back of Pelops. And in it was wrought Phoebus Apollo, a stripling not yet grown up, in the act of shooting at mighty Tityos, who was boldly dragging his mother by her veil, Tityos, whom glorious Eleti bare, but earth nursed him and gave him second birth and in it was phrixus the Minyan, as though he were in very deed listening to the ram while it was like one speaking beholding them thou wouldst be silent and wouldst cheat thy soul with the hope of hearing some wise speech from them and long wouldst thou gaze with that hope such then were the gifts of the tritonian goddess athena and in his right hand jason held a far-darting spear which atalanta gave him once as a gift of hospitality in menelaus as she met him gladly for she eagerly desired to follow on that quest but he himself of his own accord prevented the maid for he feared bitter strife on account of her love and he went on his own way to the city like to a bright star which maids pent up in new-built chambers Behold, as it rises above their homes, and through the dark air it charms their eyes with its fair red gleam, and the maid rejoices, sick for the youth who is far away amid strangers, for whom her parents are keeping her to be his bride. Like to that star the hero trod the way to the city, and when they had passed within the gates and the city, the women of the people surged behind them, delighting in the stranger, But he, with his eyes fixed on the ground, fared straight on, till he reached the glorious palace of Hypsipyle. and when he appeared the maids opened the folding doors, fitted with well-fashioned panels. Here Iphinoe, leading him quickly through the fair porch, set him upon a shining seat opposite her mistress. But Hypsipyle turned her eyes aside, and a blush covered her maiden cheeks, yet for all her modesty she addressed him with crafty words, Stranger! Why stay ye so long outside our towers? For the city is not inhabited by the men, but they, as sojourners, plough the wheat-bearing fields of the Thracian mainland. And I will tell out truly all our evil plight, that ye yourselves too may know it well. When my father Toas reigned over the citizens, then our folk starting from their homes used to plunder from their ships the dwellings of the Thracians who live opposite and they brought back hither measureless booty and maidens too. But the counsel of the baneful goddess Cyprus was working out its accomplishment, who brought upon them soul-destroying infatuation. For they hated their lawful wives, and, yielding to their own mad folly, drove them from their homes, and they took to their beds the captives of their spear cruel ones. Long in truth we endured it, if happily again, though late, they might change their purpose, but ever the bitter woe grew twofold and the lawful children were being dishonoured in their halls and a bastard race was rising and thus unmarried maidens and widowed mothers too wandered uncared for through the city no father heeded his daughter ever so little even though he should see her done to death before his eyes at the hands of an insolent step-dame nor did sons as before defend their mother against unseemly outrage nor did brothers care at heart for their sister but in their homes in the dance in the assembly and the banquet all their thought was only for their captive maidens until some god put desperate courage in our hearts no more to receive our lords on their return from thrace within our towers so that they might either heed the right or might depart and be gone else whither, they and their captives so they begged of us all the male children that were left in the city and went back to where even now they dwell on the snowy tilths of thrace do ye therefore stay and settle with us and shouldst thou desire to dwell here and this finds favour with thee assuredly thou shalt have the prerogative of my father toas and i deem that thou wilt not scorn our land at all for it is deep soiled beyond all other islands that lie in the aegean sea but come now return to the ship and relate my words to thy comrades and stay not outside our city she spoke glozing over the murder that had been wrought upon the men and jason addressed her in answer hypsipyle very dear to our hearts is the help we shall meet with which thou grantest to us who need thee and i will return again to the city when i have told everything in order due but let the sovereignty of the island be thine it is not in scorn i yield it up but grievous trials urge me on he spake and touched her right hand and quickly he turned to go back. And round him the young maids on every side danced in countless numbers in their joy till he passed through the gates. And then they came to the shore in smooth-running wains, bearing with them many gifts, when now he had related from beginning to end the speech which Hypsipyle had spoken when she summoned them. And the maids readily led the men back to their homes for entertainment. For Cyprus stirred in them a sweet desire, for the sake of hephaestus of many councils in order that lemnos might be again inhabited by men and not be ruined thereupon aeson's son started to go to the royal home of hypsipyle and the rest went each his way as chance took them all but heracles for he of his own will was left behind by the ship and a few chosen comrades with him and straightway the city rejoiced with dances and banquets being filled with the steam of sacrifice And above all the immortals, they propitiated with songs and sacrifices the illustrious son of Hera and Cyprus herself. And the sailing was ever delayed from one day to another, and long would they have lingered there had not Heracles, gathering together his comrades apart from the women, thus addressed them with reproachful words Wretched men, does the murder of kindred keep us from our native land, or is it in want of marriage that we have come hither from thence? In scorn of our countrywomen. Does it please us to dwell here and plough the rich soil of Limnos? No fair renown shall we win by thus tarrying so long with stranger women, nor will some god seize and give us at our prayer a fleece that moves of itself. Let us then return each to his own, but him leave ye to rest all day long in the embrace of Hypsipyle until he has peopled Limnos with men children and so there come to him great glory thus did he chide the band but no one dared to meet his eye or to utter a word in answer but just as they were in the assembly they made ready their departure in all haste and the women came running towards them when they knew their intent and as when bees hum round fair lilies pouring forth from their hive in the rock and all around the dewy meadow rejoices and they gather the sweet fruit flitting from one to another Even so the women eagerly poured forth clustering round the men with loud lament, and greeted each one with hands and voice, praying the blessed gods to grant him a safe return, and so Hypsipyle too prayed, seizing the hands of Aeson's son, and her tears flowed for the loss of her lover. Go, and may heaven bring thee back again with thy comrades unharmed, bearing to the king the golden fleece, even as thou wilt and thy heart desireth, in this island and my father's sceptre will be awaiting thee, if on thy return hereafter thou shouldst choose to come hither again, and easily couldst thou gather a countless host of men from other cities, but thou wilt not have this desire, nor do I myself forebode that so it will be. Still remember, Hypsipoli, when thou art far away, and when thou hast returned. And leave me some word of bidding, which I will gladly accomplish, if haply heaven shall grant me to be a mother. And Aeson's son in admiration thus replied, Hypsipyle, so may all these things prove propitious by the favour of the blessed gods. But do thou hold a nobler thought of me, since by the grace of Peleus it is enough for me to dwell in my native land. May the gods only release me from my toils. But if it is not my destiny to sail afar and return to the land of Hellas, and if thou shouldst bear a male child send him when grown up to the pelasgian yolcus to heal the grief of my father and mother if so be that he find them still living in order that far away from the king they may be cared for by their own hearth in their home he spake and mounted the ship first of all and so the rest of the chiefs followed and sitting in order seized the oars and argus loosed From them the hawsers from the under the sea beaten rock whereupon they mightily smote the water with their long oars and in the evening by the injunctions of orpheus they touched at the island of electra daughter of atlas in order that by gentle initiation they might learn the rites that may not be uttered and so with greater safety sail over the chilling sea of these i will make no further mention but i bid farewell to the island itself and the indwelling deities to whom belong those mysteries which it is not lawful for me to sing thence did they row with eagerness over the depths of the black sea having on the one side the land of the thracians on the other imbros on the south and as the sun was just setting they reached the foreland of Chersonesus. there a strong south wind blew for them in raising the sails to the breeze they entered the swift stream of the maiden daughter of athamas and at dawn the sea to the north was left behind and at night they were coasting inside the rotitian shore with the land of ida on their right in leaving dardania they directed their course to abydus and after it they sailed past percote in the sandy beach of abarnis and divine petea and in that night as the ship sped on by sail and oar they passed right through the hellespont dark gleaming with eddies there is a lofty island inside the propontis a short distance from the phrygian mainland with its rich cornfields sloping to the sea where an isthmus in front of the mainland is flooded by the waves so low does it lie and the isthmus has double shores and they lie beyond the river Esipus, and the inhabitants round about call the island the mount of bears and the insolent and fierce men dwell there earthborn, a great marvel to the neighbours to behold for each one has six mighty hands to lift up two from his sturdy shoulders and four below fitting close to his terrible sides and about the isthmus and the plain the diliones had their dwelling and over them cyzicus son of aeneas was king whom aneti the daughter of goodly Eusaurus, bare. but these men the earth-born monsters fearful though they were in no wise harried owing to the protection of poseidon for from him had the deliones first sprung thither argo pressed on driven by the winds of thrace and the fair haven received her as she sped there they cast away their small anchor-stone by the advice of typhus and left it beneath the fountain the fountain of aretei and they took another meat for their purpose a heavy one but the first according to the oracle of the far darter the ionians sons of neleus in after days laid to be a sacred stone as was right in the temple of jasonian athena now the doliones and cyzicus himself all came together to meet them with friendliness and when they knew of the quest and their lineage welcomed them with hospitality and persuaded them to row further and to fasten their ship's hawsers at the city harbour here they built an altar to ecbazian apollo and set it up on the beach and gave heed to sacrifices and the king of his own bounty gave them sweet wine and sheep in their need for he had heard a report that whatever a godlike band of heroes should come, straightway he should meet it with gentle words, and should have no thought of war. As with Jason, the soft down was just blooming under his chin, nor yet had it been his lot to rejoice in children, but still in his palace his wife was untouched by the pangs of childbirth, the daughter of Percossian Merops, fair-haired Cleity, whom lately by priceless gifts he had bought from her father's home from the mainland opposite but even so he left his chamber and bridal bed and prepared a banquet for among the strangers casting all fears from his heart and they questioned one another in turn of them would he learn the end of their voyage and the injunctions of pelias while they inquired about the cities of the people round and all the gulf of the wide propontis but further he could not tell them, for all their desire to learn. In the morning they climbed Mount Dindymum, that they might themselves behold the various paths of that sea, and they brought their ship from its former anchorage to the harbor Chitus, and the path they trod is named the Path of Jason. End of section three. Recorded by Jacob Payne, Taipei, Taiwan.